Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. And we are a little bit demob happy. There's been several late nights. Uh, you may have uh, watched a big game last night, I think. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the new world champions. Congratulations uh, to them. Uh, but the season is over. And uh, here to look back on the season and to chat absolute nonsense is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, my son? How are you on this uh, this gloomy Monday, the winter Monday? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm quite fresh, actually, because uh, rather embarrassingly, I fell asleep at quarter to midnight last night and only saw a quarter <laughs> of an hour of the game. So that was that, pretty that's poor. One of that's definitely one of those sorry excuses I've heard. Quarter to twelve, not even till midnight. I know it was terrible. And the the thing is, we did the the Super Bowl uh, special online tailgate yesterday, and that was that was really good fun actually. Um, and everyone was like preparing their food and their snacks, and I basically just came to bed, <laughs> watched it on my laptop, and then endured that terrible national anthem. And then uh, fell asleep after like the first couple of like series. Uh, really quite embarrassing. What about you? Did you stay up and watch it? I, I foolishly booked a really early 8.30 a.m. call for Monday morning and realised on Sunday I was fuming. So I, I could only justify half time. Um, and then I just made my way and hit the sack so yeah it's a, from what i saw and i was obviously caught up on it uh, this morning an interesting game maybe not the, the biggest spectacle that everyone was expecting but it like you said it had its, it, it had its moments it did and um, before we get into the super bowl we've got uh, let me just give you a rundown on what's happening in this episode uh we do have a special guest today and that is uh ken riley the second the great ken riley's son and uh it's, he did the interview at very short notice, so we're very thankful to him. And, of course, uh, Ken's name is... Well, he's rarely... The brilliant thing about the Bengals online community and the Bengals fan community, uh, not necessarily online, is that they really do look after their own. And, you know, I don't think there's a week that goes by without someone mentioning Ken Riley's name, which is brilliant. Uh, of course, he should be in the Hall of Fame, but disgracefully... He was left out at the NFL Honours In Memoriam segment at the weekend. And me included, and lots of Bengals fans across the world were absolutely outraged. So we'll be speaking to his son, Ken Riley II, a little bit later to get his reaction. And uh, just chatting about his dad, really. Because, again, we do like to delve into the history of the Bengals and talk to, to guys that were fantastic players. And uh, sadly, we... You know, we can't speak to Ken uh, because he passed away last year, but we can speak to the next best person, and that's his son. And he gives us a fantastic insight into what kind of player he was, why he was so good, uh, what it was like growing up around that Super Bowl team of the early 80s. Some really good stuff coming up with Ken Riley. 
Uh, we've also got uh, the usual correspondence. And I do, I do want to start. It was also a, a, a sad bit of news at the weekend uh, around the NFL podcast. Chris Wessling uh, passed away. And again, the outpouring of love from the NFL fan community was just uh, almost overwhelming. I mean, I, I was tearing up reading some of the tributes. And uh, of course, um, of course, Chris was a, was a guest uh, on our podcast a few years ago. And um, really, really sad. And this is from, I'm going to be honest here, I, I disagreed with him frequently. And his style was quite combative, quite passionate, quite fiery. He didn't suffer fools gladly, you know. But underneath all that kind of passion and fire was, was a really kind man. And uh, that was none more so evident than when he agreed to come onto our podcast and uh, I'm going to play you a little bit of that podcast in, in a minute. But uh, the thing is with, with Chris and the Around the NFL uh, podcast is that we've spoken about this before, Nathan, where listening to podcasts and radio is actually a very intimate way to interact with someone. So and especially those guys on Around the NFL who chatted about not just the game, but had a real laugh and, uh, and uh, spoke about. Uh, life and love and the universe and what was going on in their lives kids obviously and of course Chris uh, beat cancer then then got married and had a little boy uh, but sadly the cancer came back and unfortunately um, he passed away last week but my point is you know with podcasts and radio it just seems such an intimate thing that you really feel you know that person that uh, is that you tune into every week and um so I th- and of course the around the NFL guys really uh, loved coming over to London and they really appreciated the fan support over here. So you know a lot of people out there will have got their footballing education from Dan and Greg and Mark and and Wes. You know and again you know they they mercilessly ripped the Bengals none more so than Chris and he was a Cincinnati boy. You know he fell out of love spectacularly with the Bengals. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff there, you know, the West of Us thing that was all a bit cringy and a bit like, oh, come on, Chris, give us a break. Um, but yeah, very, very sad news because as I say, a lot of people in this country, a lot of NFL fans, not just Bengals fans, but NFL fans on a wider uh, level got their footballing education from those guys. So to lose one of them, uh, they were obviously very close, almost like a brotherhood there. I know that uh, another ex-guest of our show Colin Wolf uh, appeared regularly on that show um but yeah just just almost uh, overwhelmingly sad news you know he leaves a little boy um oh. he leaves a wife he leaves he leaves loads and loads of friends and family and fans across the world who do view him as family so yeah unbelievably sad yeah, des- desperately sad news. I, I, it really it hit me quite hard, actually, over the weekend hearing that. I mean, it was sort of out of nowhere, really. There wasn't too much, um, I think, that I saw. Um, I didn't really, and I wasn't even um, that aware it was as serious as it was. And just awfully, terribly sad. And I think Chris was one of those guys that, um, amazing charisma, knew a lot about the game. And every single person in that NFL network, 
um, family has come out and said what an amazing person he is and not just the token sort of, oh, he's a great guy. You can see it really, really has meant a lot. Like He has meant a lot to a lot of those people. Um, to lose someone so young to such a cruel illness like cancer, but just desperately sad. And obviously with everything going on at the moment, I think just, you know, it's just another uh, sad and awful thing to have happened. So all we can say is best wishes to Chris and his family and sending them condolences and love. And um, yeah, our thoughts are with him and his family. Absolutely. And uh, I did put on Twitter feed over the weekend that if you want to, read a bit of Chris's work. You know, I became aware of Chris when he worked with Evan Silver at Roto World, and I frequently had a few back and forth with those guys because <laughs> they really popped at the Bengals all he the time. He hated the Bengals, didn't he? <laughs> well, I don't know. I got the impression that there was still some love there. It was like a spurned girlfriend. You know, he was like a spurned boyfriend, basically. <laughs> he, he had still a bit of bitterness there about the Bengals and the way it went in the 90s. But... If you read his piece on the Ohio River offence, which I urge you to go and search Chris Westling Ohio River offence in Google, it brings up the most fantastic article about how basically the Bengals and Bill Walsh invented the West Coast offence in the 1970s. And it's just really great. So if there's any legacy there, go and read Chris's work. Because as you said, he loved the history of the game. He loved... Uh, well, he always, even though he was quite argumentative, he was always quite well. In fact, not quite, but very, very well informed. And he, if you were going to argue with Chris, you you had to bring your A game because he he was extraordinarily well informed by history and and all the rest of it. But you know, you can see from all the films and videos and pictures, you know, he liked to laugh as well and. Uh, as you say, there's some really genuine um, heartfelt condolence from his team and fans across the world. So anyway, um, let's play a little bit of the interview from Chris uh, that uh, that we put on our podcast a few years ago. He is one of the four horsemen of the Around the NFL podcast apocalypse. It's Chris Wessling. Chris, welcome to Cincinnati. Oh, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, we were just talking about the fact that, you know, a large proportion of your um, listeners and indeed readers are from the NFL. And you do get a, you know, anybody that listens to your podcast does um, uh, hear lots of correspondence from the UK. So you kind of knew what the level of fandom was here, I guess. But has anything really surprised you when you've been here? You know, I I think how well it's gone. Like, mm. you know, we were a little bit nervous. We don't know exactly how we'll be received. Uh, but how well, like, all the interactions have gone with the fans, how pleasant it's been to speak with everyone, how passionate everyone is about football. And um, it's sort of like it's it's a more curious crowd, I think, about football. So right. it's, it's, fewer, it's fewer know-it-alls and more people trying still to learn. Right, right, okay. And I think your colleague Greg said it best a couple of years ago when he said, when he sort of looked into this, the British kind of fandom here. Um, he, he he said it kind of, it's, it seems to him to be a very pure fandom because we're not involved, as you say, in the know-it-alls. We're not involved in the kind of city politics, the kind of history of it, you know what I mean? Um, would that Have you seen that uh, on this trip? Yeah, absolutely. Just... Um as soon as we got here, within a day or two, 
our lives were in chaos because of the time change, <laughs> right. because of how much effort you guys have to put into to, to actually follow mm. football. Um, I think it does require a certain passion and certain, maybe even a little bit of goofiness. Like right. It seems like you kind of have to stick together with other football fans because you have this sickness where you want to get up at 2 in the morning and watch a game. So, yeah, yeah it does seem like there's sort of like a – all these straight-laced people are living their normal lives, and we're staying up, having a beer, and watching football. Like it seems like you're getting away with something. Absolutely, it feels like a secret. I mean, goodness me, I'm a Bengals fan, so you don't need to talk to me about the sickness. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mentioned earlier that five or six years ago, you were working for for Roto World, diligently typing away. Did you ever imagine that um, one day you'd be in the UK as part of a an internationally listen to podcasts and receiving a kind of reception almost akin to the Beatles, really? <laughs> I had no idea, absolutely no clue that anything like this would be in the future because I had no idea that, that England was this intense about NFL football, that the passion was there, that the interest was there, and I think the rest of America still is probably kind of ignorant about what's going on over here, about the interest level, about the possibility for even more growth. Mm. So it's been it's been fun to see, and I think we all, after this week, we all feel very confident it, it's something we're going to do again in the future. There we go. That was the late, still sounds weird saying it, the late Chris Wesley, and we thank him because um, he did support us. He always kind of liked our stuff. He always kind of said hello and... Uh, uh, it was a treat to have him on the podcast, and as Nathan said, it, it's we we can't send enough best wishes to uh, his wife and his little boy and all those who knew him and all those who listened to him in this country. Um, R.I.P. Chris. Now uh, let's get on to the Super Bowl. Um, what did I tell you last week, Nathan Palmer? What did I say about? The defence last week. I told you, watch out for Tampa's defence, didn't I? I'm not one to say I told you so, but I did tell you so. And uh, it kind of, I mean, OK, you know, the if you thought the Bengals' offensive line was bad, uh, the Chiefs were like a revolving door against that fantastic pass rush last night, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. They really did struggle. It reminded me, Patrick Mahomes, I think, set a record according to Next Gen stats, uh, stats for this season. I think he ran for 495 yards, left, right, <laughs> all around, um, and not in the right direction either, just sort of a scampering to evade um, that pass rush. And they really did a good job of just shutting down someone like Tyreek Hill with the first meeting against them guys, I think went for 250 yards and just absolutely tore them up. Um, and they just kept him and Travis Kelsey, for the best part, very quiet, didn't let them make any big plays, kept them under control. It was a very, very, very strong performance, very disciplined performance. Um, I think Devin White has really come on. He's, he's had an incredible postseason, just so fast around the ball um, and has really come into his own um, down the stretch there. And like you said, Pierre Paul, um, Shaq Barrett, just an incredible um, pass rush talent getting pressure on the quarterback and really just forced Mahomes, just made him uncomfortable, you know, just put a lot of pressure on him. And I think they said before, uh, during the broadcast, Mahomes needs surgery on his toe during mm. the offseason. He's got turf toe or something like that. 
And I really did think they got him, you know, as you saw with the 495 yards running all about. They made him put pressure on that. And I thought he looked a little bit gimpy. Not obviously, but just maybe you could tell wasn't necessarily... Something in uh, the back of his mind, basically. Yeah, yeah, just maybe wasn't as agile as he would have quite liked to have been. <laughs> so, you know, they dialed it up perfectly, Tampa Bay. You give a ton of credit to um, the defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. Um, they played a hell of a game. They did. And apparently, Kansas, according to Daniel Jeremiah, here's another stat for you, stat fans. Um, Kansas City used five-man protection and 92% of dropbacks, 48-52. They left those two backup offensive tackles without help, and it was a big mistake. And it was. And what was interesting with what Todd Bowles was doing, they were kind of switching and Dominican Sue and Vita Vea out to the outside and back inside again. And those two had terrific games. They really did. And as you say, Mahomes just looked as though every time he dropped back, someone was in his face. And, um, you know, even his uh, his style, his his determination, his flair, his, his amazing body control, if you like, um, wasn't enough. And... Uh, I mean, none more so. Did you see that that throw he made in the fourth quarter that really yeah. should have been caught, actually? He kind of dived salmon-like. He was horizontal and managed to throw the ball, not only throw the ball, but accurately into the end zone. And I can't remember who it was, but, uh, you know, that should have been caught. And Tyreek Hill in the first half had a big catch that smacked him in the middle of the face guard. That should have uh, been caught. Uh, interesting uh, tweet by Ben Stockwell uh, from PFF. Mahomes' style didn't help either, though. He had 25 dropbacks that we charted with a drop depth of 10 yards or more. That puts a lot of stress on the OTs that the likes of Schwartz and Fisher can stay in the fight against. But when you get this deep on the depth chart, that's a tough ask. Maybe that was the plan to try and counteract the, the Bucks pass rush you know to drop deeper but then again you're as if you do do that you're asking your offensive line to do a lot aren't you really um so yeah not even Mahomes the great Mahomes uh, who I love and I think everybody out there loves watching play not even he could kind of stop uh that pass rush last night and especially and it just shows you doesn't it the value of having uh, an offensive line a decent offensive line even to you know, someone like Mahomes, um, just someone, just an average offensive line. And they have had a good offensive line, but obviously it was ravaged by injuries. Um, but, you know, there's a, some sort of parallel with the Bengals there where we've had a lot of injuries and we just, you know, once you get that far down into the depth chart, you've got, you haven't got a chance really with these big, pass, you know, monster pass rushes really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it shows you about the fine margins and that sometimes building winning teams is not always the sexiest thing in the world. You're not just because you go out and get a flashy wide receiver or quarterback or something, you might tear up a few games and put some incredible stats on the ball. But I think you see in games like the Super Bowl, it comes down to the trenches, it comes down to quality protection and, you know, being able to step up on the defensive side of the ball and put pressure on the quarterback. It it really is one in those trenches. And you're never going to get too excited about taking a guard or a tackle um, in the first round necessarily as a fan. But ultimately, those guys allow your quarterback to the time, they allow them to perform at a high level. You know, if Patrick 
Mahomes was to play behind that offensive, a performance from that offensive line every single week, you know, he's, he might not look like a top five quarterback. So, you know, I think it really shows the value of those guys. And I think it's an almost exact blueprint for where the Bengals need to go. They've got their flashy quarterback. They've got some good wide receivers. They've got some skill players. They just need those guys in the trenches to really sort of refine what they've got. Absolutely. It's not just the offensive line, but you saw the value on the other side of the ball, the value of having some guys that can cause some yeah. absolute mayhem, you know, in the pass rush, you know, um, and a linebacker that looks as though he's fulfilling the talent that, that he came out with in in the draft. It wasn't last year, it was the year before, wasn't it? We were Obviously, we were very high on Devin White. The two Devins, oh, do you remember that? Everybody wanted yeah. one, of the, one, or, one of the Devins to come to the Bengals. And, of course, they both went higher uh, than the Bengals in the draft. That's Devin White and Devin Bush. Um, so, yeah, definite blueprint there. You know, definite blueprint. Get a good offensive line get some pass rushes, and then your team is instantly transformed. Because as you say, the quarterback's there. The quarterback's there in in Cincinnati. You know, you, you've got some good wide receivers already. No doubt there'll be another couple on the way via free agency in the draft, you'd hope. Um, so, yeah, um, interesting. Do, do, you know, do, do you know what goes under the radar last night as well? It's just the strength of the Tampa Bay running game. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. The running game has been so unbelievably devalued in the last couple of years, the last couple of seasons, not only with running backs not getting paid as much and a lot of people opting for sort of, you know, guys coming in later in the draft. But Tampa Bay just controlled it yesterday. They were, I think between Jones and Fournette, they both averaged over five yards a carry. I think they combined for about 150 yards. Tom Brady didn't necessarily, I mean, obviously he got the three touchdown passes, but he didn't by any means tear it up. It was a very balanced offense. They, yeah. they ran the ball effectively. You know, he threw it when he needed to. He didn't he turn the ball over. And I think that's just, you know, such a sensible balanced approach and it was a smart game plan they didn't reinvent the wheel they didn't need to throw the ball 50 60 times it was just a very nice sort of you know performance and put up more than enough points um they're aggressive when they needed to be um you've got to just give a ton of credit to tampa bay i think certainly for me i thought the chiefs would just be too strong they'd have too much firepower and you know they were there last year and they put i didn't think that the stage would be too big for them but I think Tampa Bay, you know, they, you could argue they got some fortunate calls from the officials, which I think probably were a bit lenient and wouldn't be called every single time. But it was a clinical performance and a performance that was worthy of winning a Super Bowl when you can put that stuff together, get a bit of luck on your side and crucially execute when it matters. Um, the only way I thought Tampa could win is exactly the way they won, if mm. that makes sense. is that It was like getting to Mahomes being disciplined on the back end and they did all those things and it worked out a treat and then their offense as you say it was lovely and balanced and you look at you look at the six really successful teams and you know look at green bay they've got a three-headed running monster you know who else got to uh, buffalo not so much that's maybe something they they w will want to work on in the off season bringing more balance. But you're right, you know, so much is placed on the quarterback and everyone says it's a passing league, which it is to much more than it used to be. But you've got to, to win these big games, I think you've got to have some sort of balance in the offense. Yeah, so. I completely agree because you're going to get into games when you need it. You can't, I mean, you're going to put your quarterback at risk if you're just throwing that much. And you look at 
those injuries that Kansas City have, their offense very, very heavily reliant on getting Mahomes out and about. And with him suffering a bit of a knock, um, obviously he took that concussion a couple of weeks ago as well. And if you're going to throw the ball a lot, you're going to take some risks. If you turn the ball over, you know, big interceptions or you lose some offensive line, and all of a sudden that strategy is not necessarily as effective as it as it once was. So it's good to have that balance. The Bengals have paid Joe Mixon a lot of money. Um, you know, a lot of people think he's a very, very good player. And I think that hopefully we can balance that. You know, it was exciting watching Joe Burrow throw as many as much as he did and he looked fantastic doing it. But I hope that we can make that, you know, sort of get, get that balance right, get him and um, Giovanni Bernard involved and sort of really keep keep offense, uh, defences on their toes. Exactly. Do you want to know what my favourite bit of the Super Bowl was? Go on. The streaker. 503 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1. And they converge on him at the goal line. <laughs> Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. <laughs> And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? It wasn't just the fact that it was a streaker. And it wasn't really a streak. It was a bloke in a mankini. But it was just Kevin Harlan's commentary there. He managed to fit everything in there. He approached it as if it was a real play. He's down to the 30, the 20. I was like, I was almost like, go on, go for it. Come on, hopefully you can get high. Oh, he slid down the <laughs> And he, he managed to, to, to shovel in a discussion about what being a man actually means. Uh, according to Kevin, it's, it's, you're not supposed to wear a brassiere or, a, or uh, take your pants down if you're a real man. Well, I would argue differently, quite frankly. Um, but when I heard there's a guy on the field and he's wearing a bra, I thought, oh, Nathan Palmer. He's, he's <laughs> caught a flight. Tampa, and there he is. <laughs> See, that's why you got to stay awake more than quarter to 12, son. I know, I miss all the good stuff. Out while you're asleep. Like. Oh, man, that was very funny. And not, not necessarily the incident so much, but just Kevin Harlan's commentary. Uh, just absolutely brilliant. Um, so that's it for another season. Uh, Nathan, we've got a bit of a wait until free agency. No doubt there'll be some roster cuts and there could be some big ones for the Bengals coming up. But, yeah, there's a bit of a gap now and... Uh, your feelings at the end of the season? It's funny, really, with the Super Bowl, because, I mean, I, I, everyone obviously gets really excited about the Super Bowl. For me, I always, there's a real amount of jealousy and resentment there for me. Like, I can't watch it. <laughs> but I always I, I always hate whoever wins. I'm always like, envious of it. And I'm, I'm a Bengals fan first, rather than sort of a, an American football fan. Mm. Um, and I just... I don't know. I, I think next season is going to be really interesting for us. I think you look around the league and there's some very, very strong teams out there. We've got, I think it's going to be, we've got the potential. We've got obviously that high draft bit. We're going to have a massive amount of cap room. We've got Joe Burrow, hopefully um, in a good state of play. And I think we've got a chance at having a good season. Um, but we will have to wait and see. It just feels such a, it's such a long off season, isn't it? I mean, mm. You've got, what, six months realistically yeah, until... Yeah. 
we're sort of anywhere closer. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who we get at five. I think that's going to be such a key thing. And also who we get in the second round at the top of the second round. I think we pick sixth overall in the second round. So they're going to be two integral pieces that will come into the team. I really hope the team spends some money. So I'm optimistic. I think all Bengals fans should be. There's a really good foundation there. Um, have we got the right coach? I don't know. Um, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a big season for the Bengals, I think, either way. Because I think they have to move forward and there's a very good chance that they will. So, yeah, it'll be a an interesting one. I agree. Cautiously optimistic, call me some. Okay. Thank you, cautiously optimistic. Um, we will be rolling out our draft coverage as per usual. We will. I can say this now because he said yes, we'll have Joe Goodbury. Yeah, he's coming out of semi-retirement to chat to us, which is brilliant. We will have Dave Lapham. And we will have our usual Bengals UK, you know, British guys draft round table which is always uh, fun to listen to so look out for that we'll, we'll be rolling that from about march onwards but you know uh, between now and then we, we might take a bit more of a break we've been doing this a year non-stop but we will be doing lots of other things so do stay tuned to our uh, twitter feed at who day underscore uk bengals uk on facebook we've got some fun things planned between now and uh, training camp we've got loads of stuff lined up um now then, shall we bring in our special guest? Let's do it. And now, I mean, you know, as as I mentioned earlier, we do like to delve back into the Bengals archives, talk to ex-players, talk to legends. We've been very, very lucky in who we've had on in the podcast. Ken Anderson, Dave Lapham, you know, all those fantastic guys. Chris Collinsworth, you know, we can we can mention some more names. One of the guys that I always wanted to have on was, was of course, Ken Riley. Uh, but sadly, uh, Ken passed away in 2020. But we do have the next best thing. And I'm absolutely delighted and privileged to say that Ken's son, Ken Riley II, is joining us right now. Ken, are you there? I am here. Thanks, Paul. Um, I, um, I'm here and thanks for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. It seems like a good moment to have you on, actually, because um, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Because we had the NFL honours on uh, this weekend and inexplicably and to, to all Bengals fans, horror and disappointment and anger, your dad was left out for some unknown, inexplicable reason out of the in-memoriam bit. And, I, you know, I did, lots of other Bengals fans did. People went nuts at that. The, you know, we thought it was incredibly disrespectful to one of the game's greats, let's face it, not just the Bengals great, but, you know, the NFL, one of the NFL's greats. I'm not even a member of the family, the Riley family. So I've got to ask you, Ken, straight off the bat, let's get into this straight off. Um, how did you feel and how did your family feel? Uh, well, my, my mom, uh, and sisters, they really don't follow football like that. And I actually wasn't watching it. And then right. I just got on Twitter and I, I, I heard what happened. So uh, I was very disappointed, um, very disappointed in the fact that, uh, at the time of his retirement, he was number four all the time. Uh, he's number five all the, all the time now, uh, tied with Charles Woodson. And so for, for him to play for 15 years with one team 
and have those type of have that type of accomplishment not to be a knowledge how can you have uh he's part of the nfl history and how can you not uh, mention him was very very um it was very disheartening and it kind of just goes on par with where we are right now with the hall of fame uh well starting from the pro bowls to the hall of fame um the same it's the same narrative where he's uh he always went about just doing his job and letting his actions speak for himself. And it seems like time at the time, uh, he's he's gone unnoticed for uh, being the type of player he was. And like I said, and uh, even some of my tweets, like uh, the man he was, uh, he was, you know, of course I'm biased. He was my father, but um, yeah, I can't say enough that type of uh, man he was. Like I said, he always, uh, was a team first and uh, always well prepared and just went about doing his job and yeah. and sometimes I think that to you know the detriment it was it's more like he got overlooked as well as a lot of other unfortunately a lot of other uh, Bengals yeah. uh, greats that haven't gotten the recognition that they so rightfully deserve because how can an organization be in you know around for over fifty years and have only one player uh, that's that's unbelievable uh, it really is and and you know we'll get to the hall of fame in a minute but again back to this this kind of strange omission from from the nfl honors uh, ceremony there um have the nfl have you have you sort of got in touch with the nfl or the nfl reached out to you to apologize is there anything going on there at all they have not and i and actually, I know they were busy with the Super Bowl uh, this past Sunday, but I, I, I think the, the Bengals organization for their for their tweet. Uh, but as far as the NFL, have not heard anything. I prob I don't really think I will. Um, mm. But um, it's definitely unfortunate. Uh, but again, you can't really. My dad always say, you know, control the things that you can control, and uh, you know, and that's 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 how we just operate. Um, Man, it's, it's unfortunate, but like I said, when sometimes it things happen, so I don't know yeah. what what happened. Um, definitely should have never happened, but it yeah. happened. Well, I am going to make it my mission to try and get some sort of statement from the NFL because I do think it was disgraceful. Uh, you, you don't have to say that, but as a fan and a, of your dad, as a fan of the Bengals, I'm I was I was really angry about it and um. So I will make it my mission to try and get some statement from them and I will pass it on to you. Um, it does lead on to the hall. I mean, I want to talk to you about your dad, what he was like, mm -hmm. because there's so many quotes from players and who just say he's the great, he was the greatest guy. You know, you look, listen to Chris Collinsworth who said, he's the guy that taught me most about the game and how to play. And right. he just did it with such a unassuming, quiet, straight down the line, you know, friendly, warm, mentoring sort of spirit. But again, I need to talk about the Hall of Fame because um, that kind of beggars belief. And now, you know, the, the sadness of it is that your dad may well get into the Hall of Fame at some stage, but he's, it's, it's a tragedy to say that he's not going to be around to, to, to enjoy that. Um, do, do you feel at this moment in time that it's like banging your head up against a brick wall? Do you what what needs to happen what can you do i guess again I, I, you mentioned that amazing quote that you can only control the things that you can control 
But still, I guess as the loving son of an amazing guy and an amazing player, you you want to bang some doors down, right? Oh, definitely. That's my, that's my life goal right now. Uh, like I said, he was the one that was kind of bashful about it. And, you know, he never tweeted his own home. What I definitely can because, it, it, yeah. you know, that's my that's my mission now. And um, so, you know, if, if you follow me on Twitter, that's mainly that's all I tweet about. And I, I, <laughs> I know sometimes you're like, man, hey, enough enough with it. But, you know. I just really think that, um, like I said, I played defensive back and I know how hard it is to get one interception, let alone 65. (laughs) And the last two years, you know, at 35 and 36 to lead the the conference in interception is remarkable. So Mm -hmm. he definitely um, deserves his right in uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And like I said, that's my mission. Um, Not – begging because uh, he's like you know like i said he was he was prideful he had pride and he's like always let my uh my work speak for itself but mm. again he doesn't have to say i say it for him uh because like i said unfortunately he's not here i do believe at certain uh, at a certain point he will get in but it's unfortunately he's not here to uh share in that and um see it but uh no that's my my that's my mission to continue to fight to to get him um into the pro football hall of fame did he ever talk about it was i mean obviously it's a fantastic honor and a fantastic thing to have on as a life experience fantastic uh payback for all the years and the hard work that you put in so he must have he must have secretly deep down wanted it um but did he did he ever talk about it was it a thing that bothered him too much he he only said that the only time that he would actually think about it was when uh, he would get when when the time came around this time of year and he would get all the questions. He would get, you know, mm. everybody coming and asking, hey, what about the NFL? I mean, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And mm. then that's when he would start to think about it. Uh, but again, it's been it happened pretty much his entire career. It's the same thing with the Pro Bowl. So he wasn't mm. surprised. But I know deep down inside that he know that he deserved to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm. And uh, I know he wanted to be in there, whether or not. Uh, I mean, it's just like I said, he had pride, too. So I, I definitely yeah. know that he he felt that he deserved to be in there. Uh, you must be uh, heartened by the uh, massive swelling of support. I mean, have you seen the love for your dad amongst us and the the whole Bengals on a social media community because I think your dad is spoken about pretty much every week. I see uh, someone mocking up a brilliant poster of your dad in action. I see, uh, you know, Captain Obvious talking about your dad. I see Big Jim Foster talking about your dad. You know, we talk about your dad. That must be amazing to see that love still there for him. And I can't thank you all enough. Like I said, Bingo Jim and, of course, yourself. And like I said, I definitely see it because, like I said, that's my mission. So yeah. it really does. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I really try to make sure that I comment and, you know, retweet everyone that I see. Because, like I said, you don't have to do it. Like I said, he's been, he hasn't played. A, uh, his last game was in 83. And so I really appreciate uh, yeah. all the fans, all the Bingo Nation, the Huda Nation, and, you know, just out there and all of the support that they have uh, given him. Uh, so, no, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. And even though my, my mom's not on, I'm always telling her, hey, you know, it's 
uh, it really makes us uh, feel good. And it's, it's just amazing because he was just my dad to me. Mm. But, you know, when I see uh, the tweets and when I see like someone maybe, you know, wearing the 13 jersey or name their kid, you know, uh, <laughs> after my father, it's like, you know, I, I realized that he touched a lot of people and that, you know, he did it the right way. And so that I have so much admiration and respect for him because he carried himself and did it the right way and very um, humble person, mm. uh, God fearing and uh, tried to live his uh, life the right way, which he did. And we're all are proud of him. Like I said, not as my father, but as just as a man, mm. Um, mm. I just have so much uh, respect for him. And I think that um, that comes across as fans as well. You know what it's like when you follow the game, you're into players, not necessarily their whole personalities, but once they stop playing, you realise what kind of people they are and they're human beings. And thankfully, most of the guys on the Bengals throughout my time of supporting them have been fantastic, fantastic guys, you know, and your dad was an example of that. But let's talk about your dad and his game. Um, what do you remember about his play? Because he was just before my time. Um, okay. I got into the Bengals sort of mid eighties. So just after your dad retired, I'd obviously okay. heard of him and, you know, we can bring up the stats really. Um, he, as you say, he's number five in the, in the all time interceptions list in the NFL, right. only mm-hmm. behind Paul Krause and Emlyn tunnel who, who were safeties back in in a very bygone era in the early right. 20th century yeah. then you got what rod woodson then you've got dick knight train lane mm-hmm. and then ken and your dad at, was 65 and then charles woodson and ed reed and ronnie lott so basically all of those top eight are in the hall of fame and your dad isn't and i don't i don't want to carry on about this because but it mm-hmm. just illustrates it doesn't it what a, what a farce that 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 is um right but tell us about, I mean, again, we're all about growing the fan community here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that may have started supporting the team, I don't know, last year, five years ago, right. 10 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago. So they wouldn't necessarily know what kind of player your dad was. He was nicknamed the Rattler. First right. of all, could you tell us why he was nicknamed the Rattler? Well, uh, that was the mascot for the, the college that he attended, uh, Florida and m University Rattlers. Mm. So, um that was, like I said, that was their, that, that's the, um, the mascot. But so that's one part of it. And then the way he used to tackle kind of like strike. So uh, that's the second part of it. So it just, it was a perfect nickname for him, the rapper. Yeah. So, so uh, tell us what, what was his style like? You see these, was he, was he better, you know, as an, as a sort of Darrell Reeves kind of Island, man corner press corner or was he better in zone what what was he a true outside cornerback what what was his style there what was he good at particularly well he was uh they played a lot of man uh but he was more of uh, off coverage mm. uh he had he played with lamar uh paris who uh was also a great uh, corner and you know the dion before dion and uh but he was a more off but had great hands uh Mm. very athletic he was a quarterback all throughout college never played defense until he was drafted in 1969 by the Bengals. so he was more he was more than uh more of a scrambler like a russell wilson that's who he said uh 
he, he felt that his game was a uh, pattern um, more similar to, but uh, very a technician, uh, very smart. He was a role scholar. So uh, he studied the game and uh, he, he taught me the, uh, the tools and the trades and a uh, very, very smart player and just consistent, you know, to do that for 15 years mm. uh, is uh, remarkable, uh, but never found himself out of place. You know, he kept the notebook of all of the receivers and their tendencies. So like oh, I said, really? student of, yeah, yeah. Student of the game, um, always um, in place and, you know, a good athlete had good hands. So yeah. that's how he was able to get those interceptions. And he was, he, he not only, you know, he was fifth in the all time NFL list of interceptions, but obviously mm-hmm. he's a Bengals record holder. That's right. unlikely to be broken for a, for quite a while, really. Right. Um, uh, also receiving yards as well. I mean, the, the records just keep on coming. Did, I mean, did he, the knock on, on good players not getting in or great players not getting into the hall is because they never made a Super Bowl. But of course, your dad did play in a Super Bowl. So right. you can take that out of the equation straight away. And again, it was coming to the end of his career. And I think Lamar had moved on by that stage, hadn't he? Right. Lamar Parrish. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was him and Lewis Breeden, right? They were the, yeah. the tandem cornerbacks in that Super Bowl 16. Did he ever tell you any stories about Super Six, uh, Super Bowl 16? That must have been... Uh, I mean, all the guys that I've spoken to about it just hate talking about it because they know that they should have yeah. won that game. Yeah, I was actually there. Like I said, I was old enough. That just goes to show how long he played because I was right. uh, 11. So I can remember vividly I was at the game. It was so cold because I'm coming from Florida. Uh, that's where <laughs> I live. But uh, it was just unbelievable. Like I said, I was the biggest Bengals fan, knew all the players, and I just couldn't believe that we couldn't get in from the inch line with, you know, Pete Johnson and just like, you know, it was it was devastating for me. Like I actually played the game, but, you know, just, you know, to get that close and, you know, just come, come up that short and then again uh, in 89. So it was just, it's just a heartbreak, you know, um, mm-hmm. to, you know, he rarely would watch it. I don't think he ever really watched it, but, you know, they was, you know, they during the Super Bowl uh, times, they just showed pretty much one through whatever Super Bowl. So um, it's always tough, tough to watch. It's even tough for me to watch now. Yeah. Right. Ken, you must have some great stories about being in the locker room and being around players. Who were your favorite Bengals players at the time? And who were the kind of, crazy ones that you're because i think kids always gravitate to like the loudest craziest most fun guys right so yeah who, who were those guys on that team at that time um well uh, since my dad played defense uh, you know i gra- uh, gravitated to the defense but like i say I, I mean it was so many great guys from uh isaac curtis that's who he always said was the best wide receiver that he had to go against, and he went uh, he went against him every day in practice. Uh, Reggie Williams, <clears throat> who uh, they were uh, very close and uh, roommates. Uh, he actually I actually worked for Reggie um, mm. down at Disney, and uh, we, we 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 became close. And um, he, my dad, always said he Reggie was the wild one. You know, he was that uh, linebacker, right side linebacker. He was he was the guy. He was that one that was just like had a pain threshold uh, right. and was just like a madman. So yeah. if I had to to say one that really stood out a lot uh, would be Reggie. But, uh, you know, Lewis Breen, 
great guy. Uh, Ken Anderson, of course. Uh, like I said, I can go on and on with pretty much the entire team because just a kid, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're a fan of them all. Yeah. Uh, so um, it was just on, always. But, again, you, you become thinking that everybody's dad's like that. But, yeah, yeah. No, definitely a great time. Uh, entirely envious of you, I must say, Ken. That must have been great. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, Ken, thank you so much for taking the time with us. It's lovely to meet you. And what, what's your dad's legacy? What can Bengals fans do to help your dad keep that, keep your dad's memory and legacy alive? Uh, I mean, they've, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Like I said, I really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, I know that uh, Bingo Jim, they're planning to have a rally on uh, sometime in June. I think they're going to go up to Canton hmm. uh, and just, you know, Keep 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 his uh, legacy out there, and hopefully, like I said, one day the NFL will see it. And uh, I invite everybody down. Hopefully, many people can come in and celebrate. But again, like I said, I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart for all that you all do. Like I said, for having me on the shows and giving me the platform to discuss and you know talk about my father's legacy. Anytime, can you welcome back? Anytime, seriously. Um, thank you so much for the, the time doing it such short notice. Uh, hopefully yeah. we can speak again. How about that? Yeah, definitely. And if you're ever in Houston, if I'm ever, my, my wife actually, uh, she was, I don't know what part of, uh, where, where are you exactly located? Uh, I'm between London and the Midlands at the moment. So Okay, yeah, we were, she she did it like, she was out there seven months for London when we, oh, before wow. we got married. So yeah, she works with GE. So uh, she was out uh, in a leadership program. So she mm. was moving around a lot. So mm. Well, if you ever, ever again, give us a shout and there's a there's a pint with your name on it. How about that? Uh, definitely. I appreciate that. And like I said, thank you again. I can't say it enough for like, so all the support from, from you and others. And uh, we really appreciate it. Always, Ken, always. So there we go. That was the lovely man that is Ken Riley II. And we can't thank Ken enough for coming on. Um, and as I say, it felt like a good time to do it because... Ken was inexplicably left out of the in memoriam segment at the NFL Honours Show, and I tell you, really angry about that man. Really, really angry. I'm not really big on conspiracy theories, and you know, that's not my thing at all. You can kind of argue the toss really about the Hall of Fame, whether he should be in or whether should you know why isn't he in, and all the rest of it. It seems to me like a weird voting system and selection process to be honest with you but not to have someone who is one of the NFL greats not just a Bengals great but an NFL great a genuine one not just me saying that as a Bengals fan but a genuine NFL great who's number five in the all-time interceptions list to leave him out in something so personal and emotive as an in-memoriam segment, I thought that was just out of order, man. Really, really out of order. No, absolutely. I mean, it's so poor as well. It's not like it, you know, you're, you're asking it to give up. It's just literally just an inclusion of a name for which would be very you know meaningful for people, and just to not even just go to the effort of putting his name in. Just yeah, just a really, really poor touch. Really poor. Um, do you know what it might do though? Inadvertently, it gets people talking, it gets yep. the chat going, and if anything, maybe it strengthens his case and rebrings his, you know, re- gives his case for the Hall of Fame a bit of a, a refresh, which is always a good thing. And get any more attention to um, the sort of talent that he was is always a good thing, I guess. So 
you know, maybe inadvertently it could work in his favour. But yeah, I, I think for a lot of Bengals fans and NFL fans, it was um, it wasn't it wasn't great from the NFL. Uh, that's an understatement, I think. And I, I mean it. It's my mission to get some sort of statement to find out what the hell they were playing at. And uh, hopefully we can we can get that. Um, but big thanks to Ken. And it was lovely to hear those stories about his dad. And I do, I do think it's important because, uh, as I say, so many of us were uh, just too young to appreciate what Kenny did on the field. Um, so we're lucky that we can talk to these people to find out what he was really like. And, uh, you know, we've heard Chris Collinsworth, as I mentioned in the interview, uh, kind of pay loads of tributes. Dave Lapham as well. Uh, Jeff Hobson. Uh, Mike Brown absolutely loved him. You know, so you hear stories. That's all you can do now, unfortunately. But um, but it was, it was great to catch up with Ken, and uh, we thank him very much. Uh, right, let's get to our correspondence. Uh, Man Abelhosen at Man Abelhosen. Hi, Man. I hope you are well uh, and okay now. Uh, a lot of speculation that the Bengals will spend big in the offensive line free agency. What do you think? Will it happen? How can it not? What do you think? It has to, right? They have to. I don't know. It probably has to happen, didn't it? There's a lot of teasing rumours. I mean, Joe Tooney, I think, is always the um, the hot name linked with the Bengals. He's going to need a lot of money. Um, in theory, you think that it would have to be a good fit for the Bengals. They've got the cap room. It's their most obvious glaring position of need. The only thing that maybe makes me think they won't do it is that if Saw is there at five... Do you need to go out and spend that big money on an offensive lineman? You'd have a lot of money tied up there with obviously Jonah Williams, a first round pick as well. There's a lot of men on that line at that point. I know you've obviously got to cut some and cut around the fat, but I think it's more likely we might see a sort of mid-range guy come in, maybe like a forest lamp or someone like that to strengthen mm. the guard position, someone sort of mid-tier. I'm just not sure that the Bengals will want to commit that much money to a free agent not knowing what they're doing at five. Because then it kind of, if you are going to pay someone like that, are you going to go Saul at five? So I don't know. I, I think it's more likely to be a sort of mid-range guy, to be honest. I'd love it to be Joe Toon. He's a fantastic player. Um, but And it's not my money. So yeah. <laughs> I just, I I think they've got to get, I mean, it's an obvious weakness. They have to, and, and they've, it, the Super Bowl showed, you know, you get good people in the trenches, you know, that's that's going to win you more games than not. You give your quarterback protection, give him a few extra seconds, and then, especially with Burrow's accuracy, then it's then it's deep trouble for the for the defense. You know, um, I do think they will go after someone in in free agency, if not two people. I, I've just everything that I've heard, everything, all the whispers. Paul Dana Jr. last week on our podcast kind of said that he would prefer. Uh, veteran free agents to come in uh, rather than drafting and development players because, you know, you haven't got time here. You know, the window yeah. is open on Burrow's yeah, rookie contract and you do not want him to get injured again. And uh, I, I'd, I'd go along with that. I really do want some free agents who are good, solid veterans, hopefully some really good veterans that would really make a difference to this offense and because I, I really do think if they get the offensive line sorted out then it's it's going to be fun to watch i do think that 
Yeah, um, absolutely. I think the other thing that we've not talked about on that line is Trey Hopkins, as you mentioned mm-hmm. before, suffered that you know really serious injury in the final game of the season. Um, so he's going to have to rehab from that. And that's going to be a really difficult injury to come back from um, for a big guy. There's obviously, is he going to be our starting centre going into the year? If he is, he's going to be, you know, coming. It's going to be a hell of a recovery for him to do that. So we need some backup there as well at the centre position. So I think across the board, there's definitely room for improvement. Um, did you hear what Lap said on the Bengals Boo podcast last I didn't. week? He said that um, he wouldn't be surprised if uh, Pollack tried Jonah Williams at centre. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> which, which is completely he's, out of left field. He's never played at centre, though. No, he? he just thinks he's got the body type, he's got the temperament, he's got the intelligence. Um, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. But then who's going to... I guess, obviously, if you've got Saul, you just plug well, him in at Saul, I, th- yeah. I think that's that's uh, kind of, you know, it, that is only um, an approach you, you use if you if you draft and I saw, you know, uh, mm. and stick him in at left tackle. Just a quick question mm. for you, sir. This Go is uh, This is like me tell you, like, sending you in a tweet here to see what Go you on. want. It's from Nathan Palmer, at Palmer4, solid yes. handle. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in any way, shape or form yeah. worried about Jonah Williams' durability? I mean, you have to be a little bit because he's only played half a season in, in, in the last two years. So, yes is the short answer, but... His record before then was outstanding. And just, just another example of a player being picked in the first round, never had any injury warriors whatsoever, comes to the Bengals and he's knacked straight away. Uh, that's a separate thing completely. But, yeah, I think I think there's there's a few worries there, but I think he's been unlucky as well. I think so. I think there was rumours as well that they reckon he could easily play at the end of last season, but they just wanted to like, hold yeah, him out yeah. to make sure that... You know, obviously, there's no risk. There's no reason to sort of risk his um, like aggravating anything. So, fingers crossed. I mean, he's a guy that if the Bengals are going to be good next season and they're going to make a playoff run, he's got to be healthy because he's you know by all accounts when he has played, he's looked quite good. He's only going to yeah. get better. So, I think he's a real integral piece of that line. So, yeah, fingers crossed for him. Peter Dadswell at Dadders, was there a better or more high-profile example that you need good depth at O line to get the best? out of even the most mercurial QB talent. Bengals, take note. Hashtag strengthen the lines. There's a rallying call from Dadders there. I don't disagree with him at all. Sean the Sheep at Beer and Footy, please. Oh, that's got to be a solid handle. That's up your street, that is, I, Beer and do Footy. Do you know why I can get it? I hate the word footy. Oh, okay. You can't call football footy. Sorry, Sean. Uh, not my sorry, fault. Sorry, it's close, Sean, but okay. I'm not. All right. Nothing really. Well, Sean says, um, nothing really to say, but now the season is over. Thanks for all the hard work that's been put in this season. And we're on to free agency. Thank you very much, Sean. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank I you, th- my son. He does. does uh, saying, he's saying nice things as well. He deserves a solid handle. <laughs> If I'd known he was, he, was, he was sending us a nice compliment, I might have chucked one in there, but it's too late now. I've been exposed. Okay, all right. For the Scrooge that I am. You are a Scrooge with your solid handles. Uh, uh, Andrew Townsend, uh, Andrew Townsend 2, really look forward to the podcast every week, exclamation mark. Do you think that after the Super Bowl, uh, the cost of free agency offensive linemen will increase? Will the way in which Mahomes 
and the Chiefs couldn't get it going with a poor line mean they are even more highly sought after? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a very good question because it happens all the time in the NFL. You see tre- people in the NFL, they're like sheep. You see trends each year and people follow. It's like with that Sean McVay effect. You saw him that first season. He has incredible. He's young. He's the, he's the next hot thing. So the Cardinals got Kingsbury. The Packers got Lafleur. We got Zach Taylor. You know, everyone was going along that um, that sort of narrative because they you know, they see a trend, they see something they want to move towards. And I would not be surprised if that tipped a few hats into thinking, oh, you know, it shows what someone even like Mahomes can look a bit um, a bit human when behind a poor line. So I, I think it's a very, very good point. And it could inadvertently push the price up maybe a, a couple of percent um, for some of those guys that are available in free agency. But yeah, it's a very good point. It is a good question. I, I'm not sure. I mean, trouble is, no one really knows what's going to happen until the cap gets announced, what the cap is going to be this year, because by all accounts, it's going to come down a little bit. Some say more than uh, less, you know, so we'll have to wait and see. And then it's time, for, you know, that's when the fun really begins, once you know how much you've got to spend. Um, I think I read it was going to be £180 million, which was a bit more than people thought. That's what I saw right, earlier Okay, week. okay. Well, again, we're going to have to wait and see. I don't think that's announced until March. I don't think at the owners' meetings. I might be wrong in that, but um, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, once you know how much you've got to spend, as I say, I think roster cuts will be coming pretty soon. Clubs will start to trim their squads, try and get a bit of uh, extra cap space and all the rest of it. Um, I must say that uh, we've had a few... Uh, messages asking for us to do something on um, on the cap. We've never really examined it. And I'm not the biggest expert either, to be honest with you. There's some things that just go straight over my head. And to be honest, all the, working out all the finances and the cap stuff is, is not my favourite thing in the world, I have to say. Um, but all being well in the next couple of weeks, we'll have Andre Perotta coming on. And if you know Andre and follow him on Twitter, he's great because he... He's a real expert on the cap, and uh, we've often wanted him to come on the show, and he is going to come on very soon. So we'll be uh, speaking to Andre about the cap, and it'll be a bit of a a primer, really, about what the cap is, uh, what it means for clubs, how you kind of offset a player's wages against the cap, which is always something that I struggle with, frankly. Um, so Andre will be coming up pretty soon, just before free agency, to kind of go through that with us. If you don't already follow Andre, he's a very, very good follow as a Bengals fan. He's one of my favourite follows. Um, so yeah, very, very good. And yes, uh, you can follow, as Nathan said, you can follow him, and you should follow him uh, at Andre Perotta thirteen. And Perotta is uh, uh, spelled P E R O T A. Andre Perotta thirteen. That's a good name. Andre Perotta is a solid handle, isn't it? He is. Well, you, you, he's, he's obviously Italian in background as well. So you've had a few chats with him about your beloved Italian football, haven't you? <laughs> I don't want to talk about Italian football at the moment, Sam, with the way Palmer plays. Oh, really? How are they doing? How they doing? Second bottom, mate. It's disgraceful. Oh, really? I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Don't set me off. All right, I, I, okay. It'd just be a, I'll be in an even worse mood. All right, I'll leave it to second bottom there. That's pretty terrible. Shot, yeah, it's really bad. Shot. I'm, on, I'm on lack of sleep today. I'm not I'm not in my best of moods, so okay. don't even start. Don't even start on me. <laughs> wow. 
Second bottom, though, that's not great, is it, really, uh, Nathan? <laughs> when you look at Napoli, high flight, you know, they're fourth at the moment, I think, you know, yeah. fifth, whatever. Anyway, um, Andrew Dockerall at Dockers77. Evening all, who would be your dream halftime show for when the Bengals make the Super Bowl in 2022? We've Ooh. had this question before, haven't we? I said I, would, I wanted the shoegaze band, and uh, I... Uh, I think my my view has changed. I would like that streaker back on, just running <laughs> up and down, but with it has to be with Kevin Harlan uh, commentating as well. I think uh, that would be my my dream scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd go a le- bit of electronic music, absolutely pump everyone up, get Porter Robinson on there. That'd be out. Buzzing off my nut to a bit of his. Bit who's of his, that? Who's are you gonna have to? I'm an old man. You're gonna have to educate me as to who. What's his name? Porter. Porter, Ro- Ro- Porter Robinson. It sounds like. What is it? What? What's? Who is just it? Just electronic dance music. You just play a bit of it when you when you're doing some of your journalism duties. Yes. Put in your put in your headphones. Listen to a couple of his songs, and you'd be bouncing. Really bouncing. Okay. All right. Your productivity would double. Wow. I mean, to be honest, at the moment, that's that's not much. So, um, you know. Uh, right. Um, I think that's it. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we, As I say, we might take a break for a couple of weeks just to kind of refresh ourselves. Uh, but do look out, as I say, for our social media feeds. We have a challenge coming your way, and we want you all to get involved. It's going to be called the lockdown... Uh, what's it called? The... <laughs> It's a good start. The Lockdown Combine Challenge. So uh, we're going to challenge you guys to do, uh, week by week, there's going to be a new challenge. It's going to be a bit like Taskmaster mixed with the Combine. So one week we're going to ask you to do um, to send in some videos of you doing one of the Combine disciplines. So uh, you'll have a couple of days and a week to do it all. Uh, and then the next week we'll do another challenge and the next week we'll do another challenge. Now, of course, there is no combine this year. So um, but we're going to do it around the same time as the combine uh, would be. Uh, so we're going to ask you to do some bench presses. And it might not be. It doesn't matter if you haven't got like dumbbells or whatever at home. You might want to do some. We're obviously encouraging you to do something as amusing and as daft and as stupid as possible. So you might want to lift up something heavy in your garage that has nothing to do with uh, anything in terms of combine or, or or gym equipment. Find your own gym equipment. Uh, we're going to probably ask you to do a 40-yard dash, but of course we, don't, we want you to remain COVID safe. So perhaps on your uh, state-sanctioned walk every day or run, you might want to do a little 40-yard dash. You might want to do it in fancy dress or you might want to race your dog or whatever you want to do and then we'll we're going to do a four cone drill i think so again it's it's about thinking creatively and having a laugh with it and setting yourself a little project to do each week so we're going to be rolling those out um pretty soon we'll we're going to be doing some every sunday night we're going to be doing some uh quizzes uh for everyone to get involved in We've got some more watch parties planned. We're talking about trying to do a live mock draft. Uh, we've got all sorts going on. So, but in the meantime, you do please watch out for our social feeds. We're going to kick off with the with the combine challenges, the lockdown combine challenges 
uh, next week. So uh, keep it locked, as they say, to uh, our Twitter feed at whoday underscore UK and Bengals UK on Facebook. But until next time, it might be next week. I don't know. It depends how we're feeling. It is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. Pull up your pants, take off the bra and be a man. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.